And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4, where we'll be in verses 1 to 20. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. So y'all, let me give you a window into my marriage. My wife, she knows me very well, so well that she knows every single time when I'm not listening to her. It could be in person or it could be on the phone. And she knows in these moments, she calls me out. Every time she hears it, it's like she's talking and then I'll respond with, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. And she knows that as soon as I say that, that I have tuned out. She knows that I hear her, but I'm not really hearing her. And she also knows that my heart is not in the conversation. You see, when I say those words, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, she knows that her words are going in one ear and out of the other, even though I'm in this conversation with her. You see, the thing is, one can hear, but not really hear. In fact, we're going to see that type of hearing in our passage. And in this parable that we're going to see, Jesus teaches us to actively hear his word with faith. And so Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, please stand for the reading of God's word. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly, since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased thirty, sixty, and a hundred times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, But to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word immediately, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit. Thirty, 
sixty and a hundred times what was sown. You may be seated. And so our big idea for this passage is this. The kingdom of God grows as people hear the word with faith. The kingdom of God grows as people hear the word with faith. And so this passage, it can be broken into two scenes. The first scene is Jesus gives the parable. The second scene, Jesus explains the parable. So these are our points, the two scenes. Jesus gives the parable, and then Jesus explains the parable. So our first scene, Jesus gives the parable. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says, again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables. And so some time may have elapsed between the previous passage and where we are in Mark. And as we see, Jesus was by the sea, and he began to teach. Again, we see a large crowd come around him. This large crowd comes around him, and he chose to get into the boat and teach from a boat. And so he teaches them. Class is in session. He gives a lecture. And this lecture might have lasted a while because Mark said that he taught them many things in parables. And so the topic of this teaching is the kingdom of God. This eschatological or end times kingdom that is breaking into this age through the coming of Jesus Christ. And we know this because he makes known in verse 11 that the parables are about the secret of the kingdom of God. But then also if we read the remainder of this chapter, he explicitly makes known these parables and it's about the kingdom of God. And so Mark says that he taught them many things in parables. And this is the first time that Mark mentions the method of Jesus' teaching. He taught in parables, which may lead one to ask, what is a parable? A parable, it is a comparison. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus, he taught them in parables. And in fact, Jesus commonly taught in parables in his earthly ministry. You see, in his earthly ministry, he used over 50 parables as he taught people. Look at verse 3. It says, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. And so Jesus began this parable with the command, listen. He commanded the crowd to listen to his teaching because this is important. Like a school teacher commanding the class to pay close attention to the lesson in order to get it, Jesus is saying, pay close attention to what he is saying. And he says, consider the sower who went out to sow. So he says, intently think about the farmer who goes out to sow. Now, why would a farmer go out to sow? But for the purpose of bearing fruit. You see, you sow that you may reap. And this farmer, he actively goes out to sow all over the unplowed field. And as he sows, seeds fall on different soils. Look at verse 4. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
And so these seeds fell on a well-trodden path, footpath, and the seed didn't even go into the ground. This resulted in birds seeing it, coming, and consuming it. You see, this fruit seed became bird food. Look at verses 5 and 6. He says, other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched and since it, did not had, since it had no root, it withered away. So other seeds, it fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil or depth. The seed, in fact, sprung up. It had no root and it was burned by the sun. You see, this seed died and it too didn't bear any fruit. Verse 7, look at another soil. He says this, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. And so some seeds fell among this unearth, these unearthed thorns. And what we know about thorns is that they have sharp edges. And these sharp edges, what it ended up doing to the seed is it strangled it. And that seed died, and that seed did not produce any fruit. But then there's a fourth soil. Look at verse 8. He says, Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Yeah, and 100 times. And so these seeds, it fell on good soil. The seed grew up, and it produced fruit that grew to an excessive quantity, 30, 60 and 100 times. You see, the seed sown on this soil produced fruit. Not the other three soils, but only this one. And so Jesus said, this is the good soil. And he concludes this parable in verse 9. He says, then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so Jesus, he concludes this parable with another command to listen. Listen closely to what Jesus taught. The parable, what he's getting at is the fact that the parable, it goes beyond seeds and soils. You see, it points to something greater. This parable has a heavenly meaning. And he commands them, whoever has ears to really listen, to heed exactly what he is saying. You see, the bookends of this parable is a command to listen. Did you see it in verse 3? He says, listen. Did you see it in verse 9? He concludes with listening. You see, he wants the crowd to really pay attention to what he is saying, to listen to the meaning, see if they can get beyond the parable and into the meaning of what he is teaching them. And before we get into the explanation of this parable, it's important for us to note that this parable actually summarizes Jesus' ministry. You see, the Son came from heaven, he became a man and he sowed seeds as he preached the gospel, telling people to repent and believe for the kingdom of God is near. And in the first three chapters of Mark, we've seen Jesus face obstacles and opposition from the religious leaders. But we've also seen there be fruit where people follow him. You see, Jesus has encountered different soils. And though there's been much opposition, in the sovereignty of God, there will be fruit. And we will see this throughout Jesus' ministry as we look at the Gospel of Mark. And so we've seen Jesus give the parable, but now let's see Jesus explain the parable. 
Look at verse 10. It says, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Friends, did you catch the change in setting? He's not surrounded by the crowd, but he is alone. And he is surrounded by the twelve apostles and other disciples. You see, this conversation, it took place after Jesus taught the crowd. Mark placed this conversation here to explain the first parable and the reason why Jesus taught in parables. And so his disciples, his followers are around him and and they have questions. Like students who attend an after-school tutoring for clarification or for their questions to be answered. So these disciples approached Jesus and they had questions about the parables. And specifically, it may have been this specific parable that they have questions about. Look at verse 11. It says, he answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything comes in parables. Look at verse 12. He says, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. And so Jesus tells them that these parables are about the kingdom of God. Those who are on the inside... His followers have been granted understanding to the secret of the kingdom of God. But to outsiders, he teaches in parables. You see, we saw last week the language of inside and outside, and here we have it as well. And what we learn is that whether you're on the inside or outside, what that depends on is how you respond to Jesus. If you trust Jesus and follow him, then you are on the inside. You are part of the family of God. And if you don't, then you're on the outside. And what he's saying is that there are privileges that come with being on the inside. You see, and one of those privileges is understanding the secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus, being the Son of God, already knows the secret of the kingdom of God. He isn't learning the secret. In fact, he makes known what God has veiled. And no one else can know the secret This insight has to be granted. This knowledge is a gift from God. You see, scientists can't unlock the secret. One can read all of the books in the world and still won't know it. All of the degrees in the world wouldn't make one smart enough to figure it out. You see, no one can achieve this knowledge. It is granted, not grasped. It is given, not achieved. And Jesus said the mystery of the kingdom of God has been unveiled to you. God, in his grace, has sovereignly chosen to reveal the secret of the kingdom of God to these disciples. You see, not only has God revealed this secret, but God has also concealed the secret in Jesus' parables. You see, behold the work that only a sovereign God can do, that in one message he can reveal and conceal at the very same time. And that's exactly what he did. He revealed it to insiders, fellow followers. And he concealed it to outsiders, those who don't believe. And in order for us to understand why Jesus taught in parables, we must remember where we are in Mark's gospel. You see, Jesus, he came and he preached the gospel and has been rejected by the religious leaders. In chapters 2 and 3, we saw a ton of opposition culminating 
in the Pharisees plotting to put him to death. But then last week we saw that the scribes also said that he was possessed by Beelzebul. And so Jesus, he taught in parables in response to the people's unbelief and rejection of himself. And what we see in verse 12 is that this actually fulfills a prophecy that was spoken in Isaiah. And it was part of the scripture reading. You see, in Isaiah, God had sent Isaiah the prophet to Judah, a people who had rejected him, and he gave them a message, keep on preaching, keep on speaking. And here, what we see is that God has sent Jesus, and Jesus, too, has been rejected. And so he speaks to them in parables. He says that they may indeed look and yet not perceive, that they may indeed listen and yet not understand, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. You see, the crowd would see Jesus, but they wouldn't really get him. They'd hear him teaching parables, but they won't perceive or recognize its real meaning. You see, they'd hear, but they won't get it. And their unbelief has kept them from understanding the parables. Since they have rejected Jesus, they have been barred from understanding the parables. And things will remain this way unless they repent of their sin and believe Jesus' message. You see, he says, this forgiveness is predicated upon their repentance. They weren't denied the opportunity to repent. They were just excluded from understanding and further instruction until they repent. And what he says is that this fulfills what God has spoken in Scripture. And what we see here is the working of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. You see, God has veiled the secret of the kingdom, and he veils it due to their unbelief. And what this does is this actually fulfills Scripture. It fulfills what God has spoken and what we see is that God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, it's not combative, but it's compatible. They work together. They don't need to be reconciled because they ain't enemies. They're friends. Look at verse 13. It says, Then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? And so Jesus asked his disciples about their understanding of this particular parable. You see, they had faith, but they needed further explanation. And Jesus ranks this parable as most important. You see, if they don't get this one, they won't get any of them. And so it's essential to understand this parable in order to understand the rest. You see, getting this parable is like having the grand master key to a building. With the grand master key, you not only have access into the building, but you have access into every room in the building. And so Jesus is saying, if you understand this one, then you understand all of them. Look at verse 14. He says, the sower, so he begins to explain, and he says, the sower sows the word. And so Jesus, he starts explaining the parable, and we see that the seed sown was the word. The sower is the one sharing the word. This word is the gospel. It is the very message that Jesus has been preaching. And let's look at how the sower sows, because as we look, we can learn some things about evangelism as we study the sower. And two things that we will see 
is that the sower sowed actively and he sowed indiscriminately. He sowed actively. Look at verse 3 where he says, he says, consider the sower who went out to sow. You see, the sower was active in sowing. Beloved, are we active or are we passive in sharing the gospel? Do we initiate conversations with family, friends, neighbors, and our children? Or do we passively wait for them to initiate a spiritual conversation before we talk to them about Jesus? You see, we are to go out and share the gospel. See, farmers don't passively sow, and we shouldn't be passive in sharing the gospel. And not only are farmers active in sowing, but they also sow indiscriminately. You see, he sowed all over the field. Beloved, are we sharing the gospel indiscriminately? I fear that many of us aren't sharing the gospel indiscriminately. You know, I fear that one of the things we try to do is we first try to determine the soil of a person. And if we think that it's not good soil, we rationalize ourselves out of obedience. As if Jesus has called us to be soil detectors before sowing. But in fact, and we, what he has commanded us to do is to be faithful in sharing the gospel. You see, the sowing is our responsibility. Their response is not. And as we see this sower, we see that he sowed actively and indiscriminately, and that's what we as the church are to do in the world. You see, Jesus has commanded his church to go into the world to take the gospel. So, beloved, may we be faithful in actively sharing the gospel indiscriminately. As we continue, we will see that as the sower sowed, the seed fell on different soils. And these different soils, it represent how people hear the, hear the gospel and what happens. Look at verse 15. It says, some are like the words sown on the path. When they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes, a word, takes away the word sown in them. You see, the path, it is bad soil. These people, they hear the gospel, but it is a superficial type of hearing. It's not sincerely hearing with faith. You see, they didn't hear in heed, but rather the word goes in one ear and out the other. And did you see what happened? It says, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. You see, the adversary, he actively comes and snatches away the word sown. As soon as the word is sown, he is on the hunt to snatch it. He wastes no time. He wants to keep people from believing in Jesus. You see, Satan opposes the word. He works to try to keep people from getting into the word, and he works to try to keep the word from getting into people. And what we see, we don't know, what we see is that we don't know how he does it, but we know that Jesus reveals that this is what he does. And as I was in my sermon prep, I can't help but wonder, like, man, in 2020, what resource was Satan trying to use to snatch the word from coming into people today? And I thought of one, the smartphone. You see, some may read their Bibles on their phones, and as soon as a notification pops up, they're no longer reading their Bibles. 
Or some may read their Bibles and have their phone right next to them. And again, as soon as a notification pops up, they're distracted and they're no longer reading the Bible. And even during corporate worship, some may get a text, some may receive a notification, a like on Instagram or a comment on Twitter. And rather than paying attention to the preached word and actively engaging in worship, they may stop, be distracted, and read the text and see what someone has said. You see, what this verse teaches us, it teaches us the realness of spiritual warfare. You see, Satan opposes the word. And this is why we pray for people to not be distracted as they hear the word. Look at verse 16. And it says, And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. And so the people represented by this soil, they too have superficial hearing. They may hear it multiple times, but it too goes in one ear and out the other. You see, people who represent this group, their initial response to the word appears wonderful. It says that they receive it with joy. They gladly receive the word. And this joy and delight, it is short-lived. It's temporary. You see, there's no depth, and they will not endure. Jesus says that when distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Notice that Jesus didn't say if or might, but that he said when. You see, he assures them that these things will come. Suffering, tribulation, affliction, persecution will come because we live in a fallen world that hates Jesus. Whether it's criticism or contempt or physical pain inflicted because we follow Jesus. Or it could be sickness or cancer. It says that he says that it will come and look at their response. He says that they immediately fall away. You see, people who represent this group, they have a comfortable Christianity outlook. See, they, what they would say is that they didn't sign up for affliction. You see, they thought that Jesus would give them their best life now. And when persecution arose, they fell away as quickly as they received the word. They commit apostasy. They renounce Christ after claiming that they once followed him. And this falling away, in fact, proves that they were never Christians. You see, Christians are those who endure to the end. You see, we persevere in faith because God preserves us and Christ sustains us to the end. You see, Christians, we don't reject Christ because of persecution, but rather we endure persecution on account of Christ. You see, we don't, as Christians, we don't have a perfect faith, but we have an enduring faith by the grace of God, and we endure until the end. And there's another soil, the third soil. Look at verse 18 and 19, where he says, Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, 
and it becomes unfruitful. You see, those who are like thorns, they too hear the word. And again, this is an insincere, shallow type of hearing. As I said a number of times, I'll say it again, it goes in one ear and out of the other. You see, their hearts are crowded and distracted. Their hearts have three competing concerns. He says, the worries of this age, that's number one, or the cares of this age. You see, this mindset, people who have this mindset, they are set on this life only, this temporal and sinful age. And these cares are numerous. The cares of this age can, in fact, be good things that have turned into ultimate things. It can be prestige. It can be attaining the American dream of having a spouse, a house, kids, a dog, and a really nice job. It can be also success in the eyes of the world. It could be potentially having the nicest house with the best decorations. It can be pleasure or whatever it is, your mind is just set and focused on this life only. But that's not the only care or the concern of this world. That's not the only one that competes, but he also says, secondly, the deceitfulness of wealth. You see, beloved, wealth is deceitful. One can be deceived to think more highly of themselves and believe that they have security and riches because they're wealthy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says this, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and, and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And so we see the worries of this age. We see the deceitfulness of wealth. But then also there's a third where it says the desires or the lusts for other things. And it can be pleasure, sex, drugs, living luxuriously. It can be a number of things. And combine these, put these three things together, Jesus is saying that these three things will choke out the word. You see, they will gang up on the word and jump it, like three men fighting against one. And they will put the word in a chokehold and strangle it so that the word will not bear any fruit. But then there's a fourth soil. Look at verse 20. He says, and those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. You see, the fourth soil, the good soil, it testifies to the truth that despite many people rejecting the gospel, people will repent and believe the gospel. You see, in the fourth soil, we see that God promises that there will be fruit and that there will be growth. People will be brought into the kingdom of God. You see, the fourth soil, the good ground, it is good and fertile soil. These people who represent this group, they too hear the word, but the hearing is different than the three other groups. You see, the Greek word for hearing in this, word, in this verse is in a different tense than the others. 
It's in the other verses, the tense of hearing was past tense. It was as if they heard it only once, and that was it. As I said before, it's as if it goes in one ear and out the other. But in this verse, the tense is, it is a present and active tense. Well, what it means is that it's an ongoing hearing. And in fact, the verbs hear, welcome, and produce, they're all in the present tense. Meaning, they hear the word and keep hearing it. They love it. They receive it with faith and they keep on receiving it and wanting more of it. The, word, the very word that teaches, reproves, corrects, and trains in righteousness, they want to keep receiving it because they love it. And not only do they hear and receive, but that it continues to bear fruit in them. You see, and there's a large quantity of fruit. There's a large quantity of fruit production. It says 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. You see, this soil is the good soil. This soil represents the right way or the proper way to, that people should hear the word. You see, they should hear it with faith. And this is how the kingdom of God grows, that when people hear the word and they respond with faith. And beloved, the good soil, this type of response, it is not natural. It is a supernatural work of God. You see, God the Holy Spirit does a regenerating work in the hearts of God's people. He causes us to be born again where we receive a new heart and the gift of faith and we hear the gospel and we place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. We know that that's true. We know that he's a savior. We know that he died for sins and that he resurrected from the grave and we embrace him by faith. We love him and trust him as we see with faith his love for us. And not only that, but we love his word. And so we want to hear it, but not just hear it once. We want to keep on hearing it because God has done a good work in us. You see, in this parable, you have three bad soils, and then you have one good soil. And with the three bad soils, the problem is not the sower. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the soils. It is their unbelief. And usually, after reading this passage, after reading this parable, what normally happens is the first question, people begin to ask questions, and the first question is this, which soil represents the Christian? And if you're asking that question, beloved, I would say that's the wrong first question. The first question should not be which soil represent which soils represent the Christian, but rather the first question should be am I the good soil? And if not, why not? What's keeping me from being the good soil? Those should be our first three questions rather than trying to figure out is if the soil that falls on the thorns can they still be a Christian? Let's figure out, think through, discern, do some heart check and ask us, are we the good soil? And if not, what's keeping us from being the good soil? And cards on the table, I'll be real. I believe the only soil that represents the Christian is the good soil. 
I believe that Christians want to hear the word, receive it, and fruit is produced by God's grace. And this is, this is a normal pattern for the Christian life. Now, because we are sinful and we wage war with the flesh, there may be times when the word goes in one ear and out the other. Or as I mentioned earlier, our phones can keep us from properly receiving the word or something may distract us for whatever reason. And there may be times where we find ourselves caring too much about this world. And though this may happen, if we're in Christ, God will convict us of these sins and we will respond with repentance, which is fruit. But also we know that because we wage war with the flesh, there will be times there will be seasons where we don't feel like hearing the word. And those times, what should we do? In those times, we need the word all the more. And so may we not walk by our feelings, but may we walk by faith, trusting that God's word is what we need. May we read the word in faith and pray for God to change our hearts and change our desires as we read. But may we also confess it to other church members that they may pray for us. Beloved, if you're in this season, it may be good to ask a member to read a book of the Bible with you in order to help you stay in the word and read in faith. And as you read the word, it's not so that you can be seen righteous. It's because you want to know the one who is declared you righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus. As you read the word, remember that Jesus loves you and gave himself up for you. And I would say continue to read the word in faith, knowing that by the grace of God, this season will pass. Pray that he would change the desire to where it's a delight. He can do it. It's not too hard for him. If you're not a Christian, I've got a question for you. How are you hearing the word right now? You see, the word may have gone in one ear and out of the other a number of times. But the question is, how are you hearing it right now? You see, you can receive the word with faith. And today, you can receive the word with faith today by repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, who died for sin to save sinners and resurrected from the grave and forgives all who trust in him. You see, if you do that today, you will be brought into the kingdom of God. You will no longer be an outsider, but you will be an insider, a fellow follower of Christ. And he loves saving sinners because he is a gracious Savior. And so I implore you this day, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Beloved, how are you hearing the word? Throughout the week, how are you hearing the word? Are you hearing it with faith? You see, the wonderful thing about the scriptures is that we have the canon. The canon's been closed and we can read the word of God every day. We ain't got to just wait until Sunday to hear the word. And my encouragement is that we will be in the word and that we would read with faith. But not only that, but how are you hearing the word in the corporate gathering? Is it with faith? Are you preparing yourselves 
to hear the word. The song, Speak, O Lord, that we sung, is that the posture of your heart when you come into the gathering? And if it is, how are you preparing yourself to want to hear the Lord speak? You see, I think, personally, that getting ready for the preached word on Sundays should be like preparing oneself to see a famous blockbuster movie. You see, if you're like me, this is what I've done. You'd watch the trailer multiple times. You'd get your group of friends together. You'd arrive early to the theater to get the best seats, and then you would silence your phone. You'd purchase snacks and make sure that you don't drink too much fluid because you don't want to miss a single moment in the movie. And the question is, why would you go through all of this? Because you don't want to miss a thing. But not only will you do all that in prep, but you will watch the movie. You'll be locked in the entire time. And then afterwards, you stand in the parking lot for over an hour, and you will dissect every part of the movie with your crew. And then you would get up the next morning, and you'd still be thinking about it and talking about it, and then you would tell everybody that they should see it. And the thing is, if you like me, this is what you would do. But y'all, we do this for a movie. A movie that has zero eternal significance on our souls. And so if we do this for a movie, then how much more should we do this for the preached word, the eternal word, the living word, the word that sanctifies us in truth and that brings about faith and edifies us and makes us more like the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we should, be, we should be preparing ourselves to hear the preached word. Some ways that we can prepare for the preached word. We, should, we can strive to not stay up too late on Saturday night. We can read the passage ahead of time and listen to the songs that we will sing. And we can arrive on time, if not arrive early. And we can silence our phones and then out, we can be locked in, open, have our Bibles open, hear the preached word, take notes if that's what you do. And then after service, we can fellowship with church members, talking about the preached word in the parking lot and over lunch. And throughout the week, we can still talk about it and continue meditating on the passage as we anticipate Sunday, as we anticipate the preached word being preached and where we can hear it with faith. And so, beloved, how are you hearing the word. Are you preparing yourselves to want to hear the preached word in faith? Or are you just waiting for this time to be over so you can check it off a checklist? Are you coming in distracted? Thinking about what you got to do before, what happened before, what you got to do afterwards? Or are you coming in longing to hear from God because you want to hear from him? Because you love him by his grace as you remember and anticipate and reflect and meditate on his love for you in Christ. You know that his word is eternal. You know that his word is good and it is good for your souls. And so you want to gather with the people. You not only want yourself to hear the word, but you're praying for the gathering because you want the saints to hear the word. You want the saints to be built up by the word. You want the saints to receive the word in faith that God may bear good fruit in time. And so if you're a member of Midtown Baptist Church, may we in 
anticipate the Sunday morning gathering. May we anticipate it. May we pray for it. As we pray through the directory, may we pray for the members to have ears to hear with faith, that they constantly welcome it. May we pray that we don't walk by our feelings in the times where we don't, or that we would walk by faith. But not only may we pray for the saints to hear the word, but may we share the word with the saints because we want them to receive the word. We want them to hear the word. Beloved, what would it look like to have a culture in our congregation where we pray for one another in this and we share the word with one another because we want to do one another deliberate spiritual good. We want to see the grace of God at work in the saints to where he produce fruit in large quantities, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of other Christians. But then also we want to share the word because we want to see the kingdom of God advance as people hear the word and by the grace of God respond with faith and repentance. Beloved, may that be our heart. And may we labor by the grace of God to that very end knowing that it is not too hard for him. In fact, this is what God loves doing. Because as we do this, what he is doing is he is making us more and more like Jesus Christ. And that's the work that he is committed to doing for all of his people. And so may that be the work that we too are committed to doing with one another as we hear the word and share the word. And so, beloved, how are you hearing the word? May it be with faith. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your infallible, living, inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word. God, we pray that we will be a people who long to hear it, who love hearing it, who receive it with faith as we meditate on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we will rejoice in our salvation as we read his finished work. And Father, may we, may we hear, and God, we pray that you would bear good fruit for your glory, that your kingdom will advance as people hear the word with faith. Oh God, may it continue to advance to the day where your son returns and the kingdom is consummated. May we long for that day. And listen, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.